Well, we've been uh, going on four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. We're on six weeks of this series because looking at the gospel, and gospel, as you guys all know, means good news. It, it really, literally means news almost too good to be true. The word gospel, it was a Greek word, and it was hard, seldom hardly ever used because back in the time that it exist, that word existed, there wasn't too many things to be so good that it's hard to believe. But then Jesus came. And now that word was adopted because it was news so good that it takes faith. It literally takes the faith of God to believe it. That's awesome. And what's so nice about that is understanding definitions. You know, we live in a world, and I'm not going to go down this path, but we live in a world where they're trying to change definitions of words. And, and, but words and definitions are important. But the thing is, the church has done this for a long time, changed definitions. If it's good, if the definition is good news, that means there's no bad in it. And if, if you hear messages that they're saying that they're preaching the Gospel and it brings shame, guilt, and condemnation, guess what? You're not hearing the Gospel. The Gospel is good news. And where it was proclaimed brought great joy and turned the world right side up. Amen? Amen. We looked at... So what we're doing is we're looking at the Gospel and we're... And we're we're dissecting it to get a amplified, a full understanding of what the Gospel proclaims. And we've seen so far that the Gospel proclaims that we're loved. Right? For God so loved the world. Every person that ever existed on the face of the planet is loved by their Heavenly Father. And then we've seen that we're forgiven. Because God, because God loved, loved had an action. God so loved the world that He responded. How did He respond? He gave. Jesus came and He died on the cross. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. And every single person on the, that ever existed on the face of the earth, their sins have been forgiven. That's good news. Right? We are loved and that's good news. Our sins have been forgiven and that's good news. And then the third word we looked at is the Gospel proclaims because we are loved, because we have been forgiven, you can be saved. You can be saved. You can trust in that Savior. You can trust in Jesus. You can believe the love. And you can embrace Jesus. And you can be made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And from that point, now the Gospel transitions. The first two, loved and forgiven, was for the whole world. Salvation is for the whole world, but it's only received, but it's only experienced by those that believe. And then we've seen that because we're saved, we have been brought into union with God. We are one spirit with Him. That's awesome. We have been married, we've been welded, we've been engrafted, we have been baptized into Christ. And in Christ, in the Beloved, we have been accepted. We are accepted in God. We are accepted in Christ. There is no rejection at all. When God sees you, He is not re there is no thought of rejecting you at all, but there is this accepting embrace that He longs for each one of us. That's good news. So today, we'll look at another word that makes up the gospel, the good news. And I don't know if you kind of caught on to what it was through uh, the songs and stuff like that and the videos we've watched. But today, we're looking at holy. Holy! I can see it on your faces. Oh, brother. Holiness. Holy. Sanctified. Oh, Hmm. 
See, holiness doesn't produce much excitement for those that are honest. Because of our understanding and what we've been taught about what it means to be holy. Actually, it's more of a feeling of weight and dread. Dread of inadequacy and maybe even a little bit of guilt. For the self-righteous, it stirs their pride. After all, according to their list, they meet all the criteria of holiness. And it gives them an opportunity to look down their noses at those that fail to toe the line like they do. Scriptures might be coming to your mind from like 1 Peter where it says, Be holy, for I am holy. And because of our teaching, and and I'm going to get ahead of myself right here and share some of the good news from you, is we've been thinking that that is a command to do. But we missed to be. Be holy. Abide in the holiness of God. We hear it as a command from a commanding God rather than I am the holy God. I am holy. I am your holy Father. Are you my child? If you're my child, be holy, for I am holy. You are my offspring. If you are my offspring, you are holy. Why? Because I am holy. You be holy. Hey, because I'm holy. Look at, here's what Jesus says, said. If we, we're going to turn to Matthew real quick. Or no, let's turn, turn to Luke. Sorry. We're going to look at Luke 18, 9 through 14. This is Jesus talking here. This is, this is where, when it comes to holiness, we have two groups. And Jesus says, Also he spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He's not even praying to God. He's praying with himself. So Jesus is actually saying God's not even listening to that prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Exhorters, unjust, Adulterers, or even as this tax collector, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I possess. It amazes me, even in this day and age, how many people say that they're testifying that something the Lord has done, and the testimony is all filled with what I did. I, I, I. Be careful. Be careful. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Those are strong words from Jesus. And I think that the church universal needs a little humbling to understand that we are all just like that tax collector. We need the mercy of God. And we need Him to exalt, exalt us. Here's what we need to understand. If the Gospel by its very definition, as we just said, means good news, news so good that it's almost too, too good to be true, then any part, any part of the gospel that does not stir up joy because it's so good 
but rather makes us feel insecure and even feelings of dread, or worse yet, pushes us to self-exaltation self ex and, and self-righteousness, it should, it should be a red flag that we do not understand what the Gospel is truly saying. You understand that? If it, if, if, so when I say holiness, sanctification, and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to hear about this. Either because you think I don't need to hear about it because I am whole, uh, because you, I live a perfect life. Or because you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to, I know I'm not holy, Chad. I'm not holy. Well, we'll see about that. If, if, if it brings in dread and it's part of the gospel, then we have to, we have to stop and say something's not right here. I am not understanding something here. Because it should bring joy to my life. It should be excitement. It should be, bring liberty and freedom. Holiness is one of those areas that people do not understand. True holiness. True holiness will take your breath away. But unfortunately, most Christians do not know what it is. Sure, we're told we're supposed to be holy or sanctified, just so you know when you read in your Bible, that sanctified or sanctification or holy, it's the, same, it's the same word, it means the same thing. But, we're, but we're, we're given, what we're given when we're told to be holy, when we're told to, to live sanctified, we're, what we're given is an imitation brand of religion. And it's a shadow of the real thing. In the pursuit of holiness, we've had entire movements and multitudes upon multitudes of messages preached on holiness and how to be holy. And it hasn't made anyone holy. It hasn't made anyone holy. So what is holiness? Or better yet, how do we Become holy. Let's look at some different definitions that people have used in an attempt to describe what it means to be holy. Is holiness avoidance of sin? Well, this definition comes from the Old Testament law. The law gave people, the people of Israel, a list of things that they should not do, that they should not touch. That they should not eat. So by definition, a person that wanted to be undefiled, they would have to avoid trimming their beards. I made a mistake. Tattoos. Bacon. And lepers. Along with another couple hundred laws. In today's world, the list of untouchable items varies from group to group. But it's the same basic principle. It's, a base, it's the same basic rule. If you want to be holy, you have to steer clear from our list of sins. Here's the issue. By defining holiness, this way we are saying, it's, it's like saying, that light is the absence of darkness. Okay, that might be true, right? That might be true. But that doesn't explain to me what light is by saying that it's not this. Okay, if it's not that, what is it? I don't know. It's just not darkness, you know? Saying holiness is not sin is technically true, but it's a poor definition because it does not tell us what it is. But it's telling us what it isn't. It also doesn't descri describe a holy God, does it? How do you describe a holy God with this, with this definition? This holy God that was holy long before there was any sin to even avoid. God was always holy. So if holiness is the avoidance of sin... How could God be holy before there was even sin? I'm sorry, you think 
I see the smoke starting to come out of your ears, making you think this morning. God was just as holy before sent into the picture as He is now. He, is, he was unblemished before there was a blemish. His holiness being set apart from the world. Is that what it means to be holy? Some say, say that it, it's coming out from among them and being separate. This too is a weak definition. It's like describing that God is not like the devil. But what is God like? Well, He's not like the devil. It also gives us the idea that sin is God's kryptonite, which is not true. God's holy grace is greater than our unholy sin. Now it is true that in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, it says that Jesus was undefiled and separate from sinners, but that is not because He avoided such people. Jesus was a friend of sinners, and His heart was for the unclean, the unhealthy, and the ungodly. It's interesting that you, weren't, you had to avoid lepers in the Old Testament. Or you would become unholy. But Jesus embraced lepers. And the lepers were made whole. See, the problem with many people that hold this definition of holiness is that it makes them unfriendly to sinners. You ever met those ones? They look nothing like Jesus. They don't spend time around sinners because they're afraid they might catch something. Christians have been socially distancing before it was vogue. We taught people how to social distance. So if that's not what it means to be holy, is holiness being, it's not being separated from something, but maybe it's, it's being separated to something. Some say that being holy is being dedicated to God. Okay, that's good. But how does that apply to God? Is God dedicated to Himself? See the problem? Is holiness being God-fearing or godliness? By this definition, we're saying that God is godly? Or, or, or are we saying that God reveres Himself and is self-fearing? This doesn't make any sense. So is holiness, does holiness means, does it mean worthy of our devotion? It is true that a holy God is worthy of our worship and praise, but the Bible says that the there are holy angels. Are we supposed to worship them? And, and, and we're not, right? And, and, and it also says that the saints are holy, too. Should we worship ourselves? Do you see the problem with all these attempts to define what holy is? Most people don't really know what holiness means. And if you don't know what it means... How are you going to heed all those New Testament instructions to be holy? So what is holiness? We've beat around the bush long enough. Holiness, when we say holy, when we say God is holy, we are re referring to His wholeness. His wholeness. All that He is. The fullness, the beauty, the eternal abundance of life that is overflowing within the Godhead. He stands out time, outside of time and space and is complete and whole within Himself. There is nothing missing. There is nothing broken. He has... He has eternal fellowship. 
God the Father has fellowship with God the Son. God the Son has fellowship with God the Father. God the Father has fellowship with God the Spirit. God the Spirit has fellowship with God the Son and the Father. He is complete even in His fellowship. And just like any family, like any family, when you are experiencing great love, when you're experiencing great fellowship, what do you say? Let's have offspring. So we can share this awesomeness, this life, this love with them. And you are the fruit of that His desire. Within the Godhead, nothing is lacking. There is no shortage or need. God lacks nothing. This, you should be getting excited as I'm explaining what holiness, holiness is. Because if you're holy, He's unbroken, undamaged, unfallen, completely complete within Himself. And we have been brought into union with Him. We have been accepted in Him. God is the indivisible. That means He cannot be divided or separated. He is wholly self-sufficient and He is the picture of perfection. And this holy God, this holy Father, speaks to His children and says, be holy. Because I'm holy. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. That's going to be interesting to see. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. When these angels or these living creatures cry out, Holy, 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 it's not because they are in awe of God's rule keeping. They're filled with eyes. That means they see Every, they're seeing everything all at, all at once. And they're flying around the throne of God looking at this holy God. And the reason why they do it day and night, and that's why they say it continually and continually, is not because God forces them to. It's because every time they fly around, they see a new aspect of His holiness. They see a new aspect of His perfection. They see a new aspect of His beauty. They see a new aspect of, of, of the fullness of who He is. And they can't help but say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is holy. They are marveling at the transcendent totality of His perfection. To truly worship God and the beauty of His holiness is to be awestruck by an eternal scale of all that He is. It is to become enthralled with the limitness of His loveliness. Holiness is just not one aspect of God. Holiness is not just an aspect of God's character. Holiness is the whole glorious package. It's the glorious unity of the Godhead. It's everything God is in one word. He's holy. The love of God is a holy love. It is unrestrained love of the Trinity overflowing to the hearts of humanity. His righteousness is a holy righteousness. It is the habit of right action that flows naturally from one who is in such harmony with himself that he is incapable of acting any other way. His joy is holy joy. It is pure and unshadowed delight that accompanies every expression of his love and goodness. This makes you want to go to heaven. 
Because the problem is it's, it's hard for us to understand because we've never seen this before. We have never seen this before. We are more familiar with our needs than God's fullness. Our brokenness than His wholeness. We are more familiar with our lack than His abundance. We are more familiar with our death than His life. We don't even speak the same language. This fallen world has not equipped us to understand the holiness of all that God is. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, it says, Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I hope when you read that, you don't say, Okay, I'm going to try. That should just make you say, What? How? When Jesus came speaking the, leg, the language of heaven's abundance, he, he came explaining that you shall. How will we be perfect as our Father is perfect? Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that you're perfect? Or is Jesus lying? See, he came speaking heaven's language, but for our tongues drip with lack and need. Jesus said, be perfect. Perfect means complete or full grown. It means wholeness. Jesus was saying, be whole as your Father in heaven is whole. He was calling us to the life that is His life. The very life of God. In John chapter 19, verses 28-30, it says, After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So then Jesus, so, then, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the Spirit. Look at those words. Look at those words. You have Jesus knowing that all things were accomplished. That scripture might be, be fulfilled. And he says, it is finished. Do you believe that? We don't believe that. We don't preach that. Has all things been accomplished? Have all things been fulfilled? And is it finished? If it is, then the part, it's time to party. You don't have to work to become holy. You have been made holy through Jesus' accomplishments. His he, he fulfilled and He finished the work on the cross. We don't believe the Gospel. Don't believe it? Look at this. Hebrews 10.10 But that will we have been, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Sanctified. Sanctified. You know what that word is? Holy. You have been made holy once for all. Hallelujah. And we're walking around introducing ourselves. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You know how much pride is behind that? True humility is saying what God says about you. And you should introduce yourself as, I'm a saint. I'm a holy one. Well, that sounds like pride. Well, it's not. Pride is saying things that are contrary to what God says about you. If you're afraid of, of saying that you're holy, if you're, you're afraid of calling yourself a saint, you are putting more stock into what other people say about you than what God says about you. 
That word sanctified is, is the same word translated holy. Hebrews 10.14 For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. We have been perfected forever and we're holy. How? Through one offering. One offering. One offering. Not your offering. Christ's offering. Christ has did it. Through the act of God's will and the sacrifice of Jesus' body, you have been sanctified for all time. This was the purpose of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was numbered among the transgressors so that we might be numbered among the holy. Throughout all history, only one person succeeded in sanctifying himself. And Jesus did it on your behalf. In John chapter 17, verse 19, it says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. What is the truth? Who is, or better yet, who is the truth? Jesus. You guys acted like you didn't know. Was Jesus' work as high priest made perfect on the cross? Yes. Then you also, as well, are truly sanctified. Chan, I don't feel holy. What's your feelings have to do with anything? I cannot say that enough, especially in the culture that we live in today. Like I said, if I, if I was getting ready to go on a business trip or something, and I looked at Amanda and said, you know, honey, I, I'll, I'll see you later. For some reason, I don't feel very married today. I tell you what, she'd make sure I felt married before I walked out that door. <laughs> right? right? She'd say, what does your feelings have to do with it? But the truth of the matter is that there can be times in our life when we feel anything but holy. And we need to stop living on the basis of our feelings and align our life and our thinking with God's Word. We have to understand what God says about us. And, and, and just today, we understand that we really don't know what God truly thinks about us. We don't understand that we're truly holy, that we're sanctified, that we've been made per perfect in Him. You are not a sorry sinner in need of sanctification. You are a holy saint and the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that true? Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yes? Let me ask you this. Do you think the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, is going to live in an unholy temple? If holiness means completeness or wholeness, But then we ask, say to ourselves, we say things like, what if I come from a broken family or I come from a broken marriage? What, what if I feel incomplete? So you're trying to find your completeness. You're trying to find your wholeness from things that you were never intended to find our completeness, our worth, our identity, our wholeness in. In Colossians 2, 8, it says, Beware, listen to this, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world not according to Christ and I'm telling you holiness has been by the preaching from the pulpit on holiness has been empty deceit it's been philosophy it's been according to the tradition of men it's been through the principles of this world it's through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not from the tree of life for in Him dwells all the fullness of, God, of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him. 
Where do we find our completeness? Where do we find our wholeness? Where do we find our identity and who we are? In Jesus, in God, who is the head of all principality and power. Nothing in this world can separate you from the one who made all things and and is complete and whole in and of himself. He has made you whole. He has made you perfect. Jesus completes us. Jesus completes you. You were broken, but in Him you are whole. You were in lack, but in Him, in Christ, you lack no good thing. Your life was a sinful mess, but He gave you beauty for ashes. Isn't that good news? Isn't this good news? Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you to watch out for Judaizers. In Paul's day, they peddled circumcision. <laughs> we don't teach that very much in church, do we? I got a good teaching that, though. They said, okay, it's okay. You, you trust in Jesus. Yeah, you got saved. But you still need to be circumcised. You still need to follow the law of Moses. To stay saved. Jesus got you through the door, but now the law, it's up to the law to keep you there. Which is nothing more than saying it's up to you. And what today, what, what these Judaizers do, the religious, they say, yes, we're spiritually holy. But there's also practical holy. Listen to me. Watch out for the philosophy and empty deceit that is according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Terms like, you got to work at your sanctification. you got to strive to live by God's holy instructions. This is nothing but old covenant behavior modifications dressed up as a second work of grace. As if the first work of grace was it was insufficient. That's saying what Christ did on the cross, it's not finished. It's not complete. That we need to improve upon it. You hear people say garbage like, we are saved through grace and made perfect through the law. Oh yeah? Hebrews 7.19 For the law made us perfect. For the law can make you perfect. For the law can make you holy. No, it says, for the law made nothing perfect. The law makes nothing perfect. Although the law is holy, although the law is good, it had no power within it to make you holy or good. The law is not a saint's guide to holy living. The law is just a signpost that points to Jesus. Other people say we are sanctified by works. We've got to keep the commands of Jesus. We've got to follow the instructions of Paul. Not to get holy, you don't. Nothing you do will make you holy. There is nothing that you will ever be able to do to make you holy. If you could do that, if you could make yourself whole, if you can make yourself complete, if you can make yourself all sufficient, guess what you'd be? God. But Chad, why are there so many New Testament verses calling us to be holy? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at an example. 
In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Because you read this, you read it backwards. You read that if I abstain from sexual immorality, then I'll be sanct- I will be sanctified. Don't you? A self-made Christian would use this scripture to tell you that you're not sanctified, that you need to be sanctified, and one of the ways to be sanctified is avoid sexual immorality. That's straight from the Old Testament. That's not what Paul is saying at all. What he's saying is you're holy, therefore be holy. There were people acting contrary to their identity to who they are in Christ. And he says, that's not who you are. Don't do that. You are holy. You are complete in God. Can you see the difference? It's a huge difference. But because we look through the lens of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the lens of Christ, we can get all turned up. We can get pushed right back into works mentality instead of faith in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. One says, do to become. The other says, do because you are. Behavior follows identity. But behavior follows identity. Why do you do the things that you do? Because that's the way you identify. A broken and damaged person who tries to live a holy life is like a one-legged man in a kicking contest. Not going to tell you what kind of kicking contest, but in a kicking contest. You ain't going to get very far. Sure, you might succeed in avoiding one kind of sin. You might be able to avoid sexual immorality. But be sure, you will be undone by another, like self-righteousness and pride. Plus, avoidance of sin cannot make a broken person whole. It's like you running out of gas in your car. And so you go to your trunk and you get out of your trunk a gas can, but the gas can's empty and you pour an empty gas can into an empty tank. You don't have it in you to be holy. You don't have it in you to live sanctified. You don't ha- you're broken. And the only way that we can be unbroken is through Jesus Christ and trusting in Him and walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh. To see, to, to become, to receive the living waters that flow from us, that never run dry. When you understand that, you don't even have to go to the tank because you're never going to run out. If you, <laughs> mm. but if I, if but if you've already been filled up. If Jesus has already made you whole, and you have, you have to learn. So, so, what you have to understand is that if you've already been filled up, if Jesus has already made you whole, you have to learn. What we have to learn is to look to Him to meet all our needs. And when you look to Jesus to meet all your needs, and you understand that you are holy and you are complete in Him, you will. Avoid sin effortlessly. The good news is that even when you fail, you're still holy. Since you did nothing to make yourself holy, you can do nothing to make yourself unholy. I know this is tough for people to swallow, but I can handle it. You were sanctified by His will and His sanctification. His sacrifice. 
Nothing you can do can make you unholy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth. And if you ever knew what the church of God, which is in Corinth, was like, they were anything but man's idea of holy. But what does he say? To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Those that are holy in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. What's that mean? Holy ones. With all who in every place call on the name of, the Lord, of, of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you called on Jesus Christ? Then you are holy. You are sanctified and you're a saint. Do you see this? Identity first. You are sanctified. You are holy in Christ. Behavior second. So act like a saint. If you really believed that you were a saint, if you really believed you were holy, you, that's your identity. That's how you would act. Abide in the vine. And then act accordingly. So what is true practical holiness? Because I believe in practical, true practical holiness. How do we live out holiness in this daily life? What does holiness really look like lived out? It's learning to walk in the reality that Jesus has made you whole and has given you everything you need for life and godliness. It's learning to function as God intended you to function. Holiness is not something you strive for. Like salvation, it's something that you have to live out. You live out your salvation. You have been saved and you lived out of that salvation. Now in closing, I want to give you a, a beautiful image that the Old Testament gives us. This is amazing. In 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7, it says, And the temple, when it was being built was built with stone finished at the quarry so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. Why? Why was that so important? Do you know how much work it was to finish each one of those stones at the quarry? To take those measurements and finish it at the quarry, then haul those stones to the temple. It's all because of you. It's all because of you. It took seven years to make the temple of Solomon. Seven long years they worked and toiled and beat and chiseled at the quarry. But there was no sound of being beaten into place. There was no sound of chiseling to make it perfect. There was no sound at the temple. This all points, this all points to the true temple of God. You. There is not labor. There is not striving. There's only resting in the finished work of Christ. You need to end the ringing of the hammer and the chisel. You need to rejoice in the God of your salvation. He is complete and you are complete in Him. He is holy and you are holy. The gospel of holiness is almost never preached in its full glory. 
And as a result, children of God still struggle with sin despite their best efforts or worse yet, are trusting in their self-discipline and and they're filled with pride and self-righteousness. Holiness or wholeness is the very definition of abundant life. And this life is the life you already have in Him. You are holy. You are complete. You are perfected in Christ Jesus. And that's good news. In one word, you could say, that's the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that the ringing of the hammer's over. There's no sound of the chisel in our life because Jesus has perfected us. His work on the cross has made us perfect. He has sanctified us. It is finished in Christ. And we have been unified. We have been brought into union with Christ. And He, in Him, is the fullness of all things, the fullness of the Godhead. And we are complete in Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You. We thank You for this great redemption. We thank You for adopting us into the kingdom of God. We thank You for calling us sons and daughters of the Most High. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just ask that our Holy Spirit would convict us of our holiness, of our sanctification, that we would find our identity and our, and, and our worth and our, and our acceptance in You. That we would not look to our flesh. We would not look to our own ability. We would not look at our ability to keep the rules, but we would look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And that we, through the, the renewing of our minds, would walk out the truth that we are saints of God. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you that, for that Holy Spirit. We thank you for that, Father. Hallelujah. And we bless your children in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisnt.com.